hit play on that listeners you're listening to another exciting episode of chewing the scenery horror movie podcast this is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie which we will spoil but first we'll talk about recently watched which we will try to not spoil we thank the moon rays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show you can find the music on apple music or amazon where you could buy it digitally or say hello to them on facebook where they are the moon dash rays and we're not professional critics no, we're your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolien. Top of the morning. All right, we're going to have to do another take. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, it's March. We're well into March now. I think now. you got a little fast as you went. Oh, I'm going to play uh, I'm going to play it slow. Real slow. And you should add in some fiddle music. Yeah. Yeah, some some of those little round drums with the single stick they play them with and uh yeah, that. Yeah. Get open. Yeah. Maybe some of that leg dancing with no arms involved. Oh. There's River got, dancing? Yeah, there's, there's got to be a, a sound for that, right? There must be. Am I going to pay extra for sounds? No. But if I can steal them, we'll plug them in here somewhere. So, guys, uh, recently watched. Um, did uh, did you watch anything especially exciting since last time? Did I mention zombie bloodbath last time? You did not. Tell us Damn. about Zombie Bloodbath, zombie, Julian. Because we were discussing um, great mullets and horror. Yes. So Zombie Bloodbath is from 1993. Ooh. This is the first of a trilogy directed by Todd Sheets. Uh, this one comes in at 70 minutes. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Brought to you by Supercuts. Uh, about a nuclear power plant in Kansas, which melts down because of an Indian curse and kicks off a zombie apocalypse. Wow. Do they mean Native American or like? Some candy family lived there in the town, and they got right out, and they cursed it. <laughs> that would be interesting. Wouldn't it? I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got this character named Larry Talbot. Oh. Really? Who's uh, rocking a humongous mullet. Nice. It's just, it's awesome to behold. Uh, he says, this sounds like a trashy zombie movie to me. Hmm. And he's not wrong, is he? <laughs> Several other characters say much the same thing. Uh, it gets on with it. There's a gut munching and face melting within the first two minutes, and lots of use of awful. Oh, so the local butchers was doing pretty well Cleaned out this up. movie. Uh, there's a character named General Romero in the third one. Mm. But anyway, this is your basic it was, short uh, video zombie movie. A nod to Caesar Romero, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes, very big amongst zombie fans. Yeah, yeah. He uh, played a zombie, but refused to shave his mustache. <laughs> Just put the pancake makeup right over it. And it became a look that's still done in zombie movies till this day. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that in Batman when you were a kid? 
Hell yeah. It's pretty hard to miss, I suppose. TVs were very low res back then. Yeah, I uh, I was watching a Seinfeld, and uh, George has a toupee, and everybody makes fun of it. On regular TV, I mean, it didn't look great, but it was so low res, you're like, okay, it's just a toupee. But having watched it recently on much better resolution... Like, wow, that is the plasticky-looking toupee I've ever seen. It doesn't match anything, and it's just, you know. The only thing that would make it more obvious would be a chin strap. Yeah. <laughs> what else, Julian? Uh, well, I've, I've been working on this. Uh, there's going to be a release of this, these certain um, Italian zombie movies. Hmm. And um, so I've been watching, you know, zombie stuff for, for that. Oh, good. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, didn't see any more Zatoichi films this week. Didn't he fight zombies in one of those? I think it was in uh, Bikini Zatoichi. Yeah, that one's rare. It's hard to get. Yeah, not shown so much these days. No. Very un-PC. Yeah. Making fun of blind people, women in bikinis, Asians. It's just... Barely, barely watchable now. Mm-hmm. Today's sensibilities. Yeah, he keeps he keeps like wandering into women and and they go, "Are you really blind?" And it's just the joke gets really old. It really gets fast. really old. Just like when he falls just, just, with a woman and he always lands on yeah, the Yeah, they're playing yakety sax all the time. Oh God, <laughs> it's just tiresome. Um, and uh, because we're doing Irish stuff, um, and Ireland's a, a beautiful country. I. I been there once so mm-hmm. I, i'm an expert yeah um i watched uh, it came from konamara from 2014 this is one hour documentary it's about the time uh, roger corman set up a studio in west ireland um made 20 films until um financial situation was less fa- favorable he was like oh what a week uh, and left <laughs> <laughs> um so uh uh, yeah, he was there for about five years. Um, made films with uh, Don the Dragon Wilson. Oh, nice. Uh, so th- these are all people who are in the documentary. Um, Louis Mandalore, who I did a film with. Oh, cool. He, he works in, in that smaller scale. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I did the, the Tengu, the Immortal Blade film with him. Um, and uh, James Brolin's in it. Alexandra Paul, uh, mm. who was in Christine's in it. Um but, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. A lot of it's in uh, Gaelic. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. You don't hear that much. Yeah. So um, Not here, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Probably don't hear it much in Ireland, either. Um, but, yeah, it's it quite bizarre, like, forgotten piece of history. Yeah. I've forgotten for a reason, because I've, I've not watched any of these movies, like, mid-90s Corman. Mm. Um, you know, sweet spot for Corman, like, fades away the end of the 70s really yeah um and it wasn't so strong before <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean a lot of caveats come with liking carmen films yeah like 50s and 60s you had writers like charles griffith and they could crank out a script overnight and it'd be fun yeah it'd be like bucket of blood or something as a fun movie in the 70s you had like um Death race and uh, yeah, you know you still have people who are going on to major careers coming out of the Corman School, James Cameron and 
and then the 80s hit and it's Takfujimoto. all bikini movies <laughs> it's all bikini movies and, yeah so uh, uh anyway um yeah it's worth checking out it's on canopy and it's easy to see cool so yeah check it out if you've got a library card you can get an account right yeah it's free there it is uh, it's a really good service very if nice. you can pass the library test <laughs> <laughs> and it's does, not all reading does it involve any shooting it does there oh, okay. is a shooting round there's a, a wall you have to climb yeah i'm ready you for that you have to swing on some rings oh uh, i don't like ring swinging you have to hang by your feet and sort the card card catalog peter murphy could do that he opens his show hanging like a bat really yeah he likes that kind of shit. Hmm. So, Will, what you got for recently watched? Again, nothing good. Oh, man. I, mean... I watched one from 1983 because I punched in 1983 just to see what came up. Wow. Uh, I watched uh, something that I was led to believe was a slasher film I hadn't heard of called Sweet Sixteen. Who led you to believe this? Yourself? The synopsis. <laughs> okay. Uh, Not your imagination, but the no, synopsis. No, the synopsis made it sound more of a, of a slasher. Uh, it turned out to be a, a, just a murder mystery with mm-hmm. Bo Hopkins. If Bo Hopkins is in your movie, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, That's the walking tall guy. No. Wait, no. No, I think that was Joe Don Baker. That's Joe Don Baker. You're right. Yeah. Bo uh, Hopkins. Who the hell is that? If you saw him, you'd recognize him. He's in so a bunch of low budget things. He's the dollar and, store version of uh, Joe Don Baker? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He always plays a, a, a sheriff, or in a lot of these movies, he plays a sheriff. Is the sheriff fed up? Had enough? Yeah. He's yeah. going to deal his own brand of justice? Uh-huh. Usually he's... He's typically uh, a little more progressive than than you would take a small town sheriff to be, oh. but it is always the south of Southern California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you've seen these movies, you know what that means, right? Everybody has a Southern accent, but they're driving around Kern County. You're like, this doesn't make any sense. That's Bakersfield. <laughs> it's nowhere near Alabama. Um, but no, it's it's just a murder mystery. It's not very good. Um, the camera leers on a girl who's supposed to be fifteen. Mm. The titular sweet sixteen. But at the near the end of the movie, there's uh, two rednecks that cause trouble throughout the movie. Um, they they make like comments about it, but it it makes it seem like. Aren't these guys sick? They're leering at this girl like, you motherfuckers just spent 20 minutes at the beginning of the movie leering at her in the shower. What am I supposed to think with this? Yes. <laughs> am I am I scummy too? What? Um, I hope she wasn't 15. No, not if they're going to be filming her in a shower. And nude at the beach. Yeah, that's not Anyway, nice. not good. So I picked something from 1984. Yes, I punched in 1984. Uh, something called Zombie Island Massacre. Oh, yeah. Have you seen this? Yep. I, I figured you had seen it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I haven't. 
Um, yeah, it, it starts out. It's Italian, unfortunately released by Troma, but not mm-hmm. a Troma film. Uh, some people on a cruise go to an island where there's voodoo, but not Haiti. Mm. Uh, St. Marie or something. Uh, to witness a voodoo ceremony, mm. which is pretty good. Um, and uh, they run afoul of zombies. But what do you expect when you go to a place called Zombie Island? And they had to, there's been so many disasters on Zombie Island, they had to assign the name Massacre to this one. <laughs> Not the Zombie Island Slaughter or the Zombie Island Killings. This is the Zombie Island Massacre. Turns out they're not zombies. They fly there on the Romero Express. Yeah. (laughs) Caesar Romero Express. Uh, It's a... It's a cartel. It's a cartel. And there's some sort of drug thing going on that's kind of vague and fuzzy. And some people are not who they seem to be. Um, I was really hoping it was Haitian zombies because yes. it's been a long time. Nobody yeah. gets any Haitian zombies. We miss them. We do. And it would have been really fun, but it was all right for what it was, I guess. Yeah. So, if you're expecting a zombie movie from this. Yeah. You would be really, really so upset. <laughs> I thought of that like the whole time. I was like, after the first kill, you don't see who's killing these, this couple, but you're like, that's not a zombie. This is going to be real disappointing because I'm going to expect zombies and they're either never going to show up. It's going to be the damn caretaker. Or it's going to be, you know, people pretending <laughs> to be zombies or something. Yeah, it was that. Um, then I watched something called Lone Wolf, which we discussed last week. Ooh. Time travel. Yeah. I watched it again. No. <laughs> I just wrote it down at that spot. Uh, but it did lead me to something called Devil Music. <gasps> oh, cool. Which I thought, oh, one we haven't seen. I listen to Devil Music. Unfortunately, it was a comedy. Uh. Not a horror at all. Um, this is one in the last episode we talked about a sort of appreciation for movies that, that try but fail. Mm. This is one that tries but fails. It's got a pretty good premise. There's a band in L.A. that they just suck, and they've sucked for years, and they're still trying to make it, but now they're all in their 30s. Their manager uh, tells them the story about Robert Johnson Mm -hmm. and convinces them that he can take them to the crossroads, and they can do the, the ceremony and sell their souls to the devil and become the greatest band ever. So... They naturally all jump on board because they're looking for anything. And they were in an RV, and they're all misfits of some sort or other. It's kind of clever. It's predictable, too, and the acting's not great. But something about it I enjoyed, I don't really know. I wouldn't say it was a good movie, but uh, Tobin Bell plays the devil. Hmm. No kidding. Yeah, he shows up at the end. The guy from Saw. Uh-huh. And a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, but mostly Saw. Mostly Saw. Because <laughs> yeah. there's 10 of those. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Seesaw 2? <laughs> if you saw Saw, then Seesaw 2, too. That's it. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
I wouldn't recommend it unless you're desperate. <laughs> I was hoping. Oh, Will. Is this a cry for help? <laughs> it is. All these movies are a cry for help. Uh, and then I started something because it just, Tubi just started playing whatever's next. Sure, sure. Called Dead Ant, which uh, <laughs> some loser band from the late 80s is uh, reuniting to play their one hit. The Pink Panther theme? Yeah. <laughs> At, uh, I fear that's going to come up. I only watched 15 minutes of this. Um, they're going to some show to play. Uh, they buy some, some, uh, uh, I think psychedelic mushrooms. I'm not really sure. Peyote maybe. Sure. Um, and evidently they awaken some giant ants in the, in the desert while tripping. It's like giant ants, rock music, maybe. Okay. I don't think so. I've only seen 15 minutes of it. And it looks really, really bad. Um, really bad. But uh, Sydney Sweeney is in it. I think it might be her first movie. Where would I know Sydney Sweeney from? She is, uh, what has she been in? Um, I don't know. She's on uh, Euphoria. She's been in a bunch of little, she was in uh, White Lotus season one. Okay. She's just kind of become popular. I've seen her a lot of places. Um, yeah. I don't know that I'll watch the... I know I'm going to watch the rest of it. Yeah, you totally are. Yeah. Just to get to the part where Tubi goes, hey, here's what you're watching next. <laughs> yeah. You know. Is that it? We recently watched? Isn't that enough? I'd Haven't say, I suffered you... <laughs> enough for you people? <laughs> the long-suffering will... I will watch shitty movies to review on this podcast well we thank you you're Appreciate welcome it. so i watched bikini hackers <laughs> did just, you just kidding um i wish you had <laughs> no um let's go with uh less pertinent to more pertinent um i did watch and, and you'll see what i mean when we get there we watched uh we have a ghost uh this one is absolutely just a comedy you know, you, you could call it a supernatural horror comedy, but it's just a comedy, really. Uh, the guy from Stranger Things, that uh, sheriff guy or whatever that plays dad to uh, mm-hmm. Eleven, uh, he, David Harbour. Dad Har- Sheriff. Yeah, Dad Sheriff David Harbour. He plays a ghost who lives in a house. This uh, it does a cold open. You see some people running, screaming from the house, and clearly they never come back. They put it up for sale. Some other people buy it. They move in and um, right off the get, uh, I think he's the youngest one in the family. I'm trying to remember if there's a younger sister or something. But it's a young guy, probably around 14, 15. Uh, He seems to have a driver's license or permit, so maybe he's 15 or 16. He sees a ghost. and The ghost is doing that corny boo thing, waving its arms around. And he starts filming it with his iPhone, think, and, and then he just can't quit laughing because this ghost is so corny. And that's David Harbour with a comb over and a bowling shirt. And he's just like, what's going on here? And He posts it and it gets some traction online. Uh, they do some more stuff where they capture the ghost on the iPhone and uh, the dad's trying to cash in on it. And at some point it becomes known that they've got a ghost in their house. So things that probably wouldn't happen in real life happen. And uh, 
people go crazy bananas and there's a media circus and then uh, I don't want to spoil it because you guys aren't going to probably watch it, but the listeners might. Uh, so it's, it's... I like during your synopsis, you said he's a ghost who lives in a house. <laughs> and it made me think, A, how does a ghost live? And B, are there homeless ghosts? <laughs> yes. There are ghosts that just reside in fields. and I'm sure there used to be a house there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it got knocked down. And now what did they do? Or they got killed in a field and they like it there. Or they, they can't leave. They identify with it there. They live there now. Yeah. They live there now. <laughs> yes. So it's a living ghost. Yeah. Uh, this was directed by Christopher Landon, which is Michael Landon's son, I believe. Um, he's... Uh, it's his father, but it's really convoluted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of lot of trouble there to be explained, um, but I do believe that's him. He's the living Landon. Yes, the living Landon. Night of the living Landon. Uh, so this one, um, I watched. Good uh, for you. Yeah. So we watched one called "I Came By." Uh, this one is on Netflix right now, and you could probably guess some of what's going to happen and then they'll throw you a couple of little wrong turns here and there in in the movie. But this is a couple of graffiti kids that dig on breaking into rich people's houses and doing like a great big graffiti piece on their wall, shooting some pictures and leaving. They don't steal anything. There's only breaking and entering and then graffiti on the wall. And the smell of spray paint that you'll never get out of the house. Nope. It's going to smell like that for days. Uh, this one, um, I don't think they make any secret of it in the previews or early in the movie, but uh, it seems like one of these rich people might have somebody captive in their house. A ghost who that li- lives who, there. Who lives there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this... Um, We came by, saw the ghost later. (laughs) This one, it's pretty uh, suspenseful, pretty entertaining. But I don't think it's going to ask so much of you as a viewer that you're going to be like, wow, I'm exhausted from thinking so much. (laughs) I think you'll just be able to cruise along and enjoy it for what it is. It's not poorly made. It's actually got good production values. So I'd say if you're you're up for that, then uh, here's a movie for you. And it's on Netflix. So in, until they decide to make it hard for us to share passwords with family and friends, well, you could probably watch it without paying anything if you got someone's password. Should I get my password out? You could. You totally could. But Every, don't everybody use it? Yeah, but don't don't give them your email address. Yeah. Don't don't no. give don't give them your email address. Just give them the password. Uh, so uh, we watched uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. Did we? Uh, not we. The royal we. <laughs> um, so this one is uh, directed by Martin McDonough. It stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. And takes place on a pretty remote island off the western part of Ireland. It takes place in the 1920s. One of these guys suddenly decides that he finds his friend dull, doesn't want to talk to him anymore, doesn't want to be talked to by him anymore. And that's going to be it. But the friend can't let this go. 
the friend being Colin Farrell, uh, the other friend being Brendan Gleeson. So the whole movie, it's uh, in the in the in the uh, Wikipedia um, synopsis, it describes it as a black tragicomedy. That's all one word, tragicomedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that word before now. No. Yeah. But it's uh, directed, written, and co-produced by Martin McDonough, as I said. Um, this one is it's a it's a it's a, it's moody but funny at the same time. You will get a lot of laughs watching it, depending on your sense of humor. Um, but uh, there's some rough stuff to watch in this. Uh, definitely do a little "Does the dog die?" search on this one. Hand trauma. Uh, no. High trauma. Uh, let's just say not all the animals make it to the end credits. Okay. Um, and then there's a show, <laughs> there's a show that is, uh, available on, it's a mockumentary TV show. It's available on Netflix. It's called Kunk on Earth. And it's this woman, um, Diane Morgan plays a character called Philomena Kunk. And she does interviews with like, uh, historians and curators and all these kind of important dry and snooty people and they're not all that dry or that snooty but uh it's kind of that ali g thing that um that uh, sasha baron cohen did uh-huh. it's kind of that same thing where it's just like see how much you can mess with them and see if they get that it's not serious it's pretty funny you know she'll she'll like say some very ridiculous wrong information to them and ask them about it and then they'll say well that isn't true and then they'll try to help her sort these things out. And it's not as cringy as it sounds, me describing it. But Sasha it, Baron Cohen shows up in a costume and they play the joke on one another for <laughs> 45 <laughs> minutes till one of them caught on. Uh, but it's a good mockumentary. It's a history mockumentary. So if that helps any, that's all what I got. And then, uh, no, I watched three different Irish movies uh, filmed in Ireland. On location. Leprechaun 2. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Garbio Gill and the Little People. The Banshees of Bronson Canyon. And the Banshees of Bronson Canyon, <laughs> yes. Which they claim is Ireland, but clearly there's it's not a spot of green there. Okay. It's a real deserty part of Ireland. So, the only person out of the three of us that's been there, Jolien. Uh, You've never been? Not yet. No, it's it's on the list. Got to get uh, a couple other countries out of the way first, and then. It's your ancestry. Yeah, and that's the thing is uh, we're gonna get those other places out of the way first, and then just hang out there and drink some pints. Okay. Yeah. Good yeah. place to do it. Yeah, it'll, it'll be cool, and uh, I don't operate under any delusions that they'll be like, "Oh, laddie, you've come home." You know, <laughs> it, they're gonna be like, "Ah, oh, there's another yank." <laughs> Yeah. I know that's how it is, and I don't. Look I don't. That fucking cunt. You fucking, you fucking yank. What are you doing here? Uh, I'm okay with that. Not been there yet, but Julian, you have. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you do when you were there? I went to. So we arrived in Dublin, and the the fellow we made friends with on the ferry took us to his favorite Guinness bar. Nice. nice. I poured a real Guinness, which took like three minutes to pour. Seriously, mm-hmm. and it's. Wonderful. Mm, and he, he drove us around town and showed us all the, the sculptures and the fountains and described them in various 
unofficial ways, mm -hmm. like the the floozy and the jacuzzi and so <laughs> Very on. Nice. The lady in the fountain. <laughs> yeah, there's some saint, yeah. saint, saintly yeah. lady reclining in a fountain, but she was the floozy and the jacuzzi. I like it. Uh, and then uh, so we spent a few days there and saw the you know the university and stuff, and, um, and then headed out into the country and stayed at a farm. Very nice. Went on some walks. Some banshee watches. Did you hear any banshees? Yeah, we just kept the window open. Wait, wait. Before we get to the banshees, uh, the Guinness. Back up to the Guinness. Yes. A properly poured Guinness will cascade for, like, you, you can watch it cascade for minutes. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Thing of beauty. Yeah. Um, so did you pet any cows? Did you... I did not. I, I left the local animals alone. Did you? All right. Did you hear any banshees? Did not. Okay. And uh, and proof of that is that I'm still alive. Oh, yeah. True. But if you hear them, that could mean someone else is going to die. Someone in your family. Yeah. I mean, that could have been like, oh, I wasn't that close to... Uh, they say you never hear the banshee with your name on it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, do we want to do, uh, since we're, we're sort of dropping this just before St. Patrick's Day, do we want to do a, like some, some fun facts about St. Patrick or a brief history or anything like that? No. Not really? I think he's pretty well known by now. Yeah, he uh, became... He invented patio furniture. <laughs> so people say St. Patty's Day. And uh, sold that through the 50s, I believe, before coming to America... Because he couldn't get uh, potatoes or something. I don't remember. Yeah, that sounds like... Snakes were bothering him at some point. I think they were getting into the patios. And so he invented something to keep snakes out of your patio, your back garden. That sounds like a good leprechaun movie. <laughs> I mean, you just yeah, you just substitute leprechaun with St. Patrick and you've got a plot. Yeah, good leprechaun movie. That's... the. Stun my brain. It's a contradiction. I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything else you said after that. Good leprechaun movie. <laughs> well, I can uh, I can give you there a movie. Uh, I liked um, Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Yeah, which has got Sean Connery in it as and, an Irishman, which is the movie that got him noticed and picked up for James Bond, <laughs> playing a British man. And then you read the early reviews from the time of uh, his his role in Doctor No. So many critics, like uh, inc including a lot of English ones, were saying uh, he's got this lovely, like uh, uh, Irish accent. <laughs> Actually, I'm Egyptian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was a Spaniard playing, but, or an Egyptian playing a Spaniard. Apparently, he was so embarrassed by the uh, the reviews of his Irish accent in Darby O'Gill that he never did an accent again. So, hence the <laughs> ah the Highlander the, movie, the Mook Egyptian. I can okay. Why couldn't they just have rewritten the script a little bit? That's all it would take. But what do I know? Um, St. Patrick was uh, uh, born and lived in the uh, 5th century, uh, originally from um, the still Romanized Britain, um, about to be de-Romanized Britain. De-Romanized. I think <laughs> yeah, they'd left a long... 5th century. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was apparently, um, and some people have said, you know, he lived in Wales or he lived in some other place or another. Uh, it's not, it's not known for sure, but what is known for sure is some Irish pirates kidnapped 
a 16-year-old um, Patrick and took him to Ireland and made him into a slave. And he worked as a shepherd. And at some point, he just sort of really leaned into his faith. And uh, in a dream, he imagined himself escaping on a boat and decided soon after to make a run for it. And lo and behold, found a boat, jumped on it, got back to England and was like, all right, cool, I'm back. And he, uh, I don't know if he was of noble birth, but he came from money, if I remember this correctly. I'm winging it now. I don't even have anything on my screen. Uh, but uh, at some point he said, you know what? I got to get back to Ireland and uh, help save these people because they're kind of worshiping some idols and doing some witchy stuff. I'm going to sort things having out. Fun. Yeah. Having, <laughs> having fun. Yeah. Having fun. Having a good pagan time. Yeah. I'm going to go guilt free. I'm going to go screw it up with my own brand of Christianity. <laughs> so he does that. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Must have had something going for it. You know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So he convinced them all that they were being plagued by snakes, which don't live in Ireland. And he got rid of them magically. Uh -huh. Which is a good trick. It is a good yeah. trick. So you can say that uh, maybe that was symbolic, uh, that maybe St. Patrick drove the uh, pagan beliefs. Maybe those were supposedly snakes. I don't know. You could. I don't know what, what they mean, but there were never any snakes in Ireland. They don't even really get snow. Hmm. I was watching... I was watching... Uh, one of these movies, I won't say which one, and I said, you know what? It's October. They don't look like they're as cold as they should be. You know, I got to look this up. Do they get much snow? No, I don't imagine they do. Or any at all. And it turns out, yeah, they get a little bit of snow here and there, but it's like like when I lived in Seattle. It was like, you'd get snow, but it, it was like the horrifying event where you got a quarter inch of snow, <laughs> and then it was gone. So yeah. anyway, uh, St. Patrick is the uh, patron uh, saint of snow. The patron saint of, of snake wrangling. <laughs> Which they also don't have in Ireland. Snakes or snow. He's the national apostle of Ireland, um, <sighs> being credited with bringing Christianity to Ireland and is um, not really uh, got much to do with uh, green beer or funny dances or anything else. So... Um, for whatever reason, this holiday has just gotten really weird. Well, it was really popular in uh, in, in the Irish communities in like New York and so on. Yeah, yeah, much, much more than it was back in Ireland. Yeah. Oh yeah, like like Halloween. Yeah. yeah, you know. And weirdly, I think we've given Halloween back to Ireland mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we're the ones that turned it into some crazy shit, and they're like, right? Yeah, they have to put on parades because so many Americans come over and want to. <laughs> go to uh, an authentic St. Patrick's Day event. So they had to start doing them. Right. So um, um, Americans of Irish descent really wanted to celebrate and say, let's let's do something. So lots of parties, lots of parades uh, in Chicago, where I'm from. They dye the river green, the Chicago River. Actually, they just stopped dyeing it regular color. It's naturally green. <laughs> it's just green all the time now. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird ecosystem. Um, but you can definitely see some mayhem in the streets. I don't know about the downtown parade because I'm from the South side, uh, the South side Irish parade. 
was so out of control that they actually stopped it for a handful of years. And then I think they just started it back up a few years ago. <laughs> it was bad. I don't even want to go into detail about how bad it was. All that being said, we're here to talk about some um, movies made in Ireland about Irish stuff. And uh, they should be horror if we're talking about it on the show. Jolien, what did you watch? I watched uh, Dementia 13. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that one, because I don't think I've seen it. No. So this is um, Francis Coppola's first feature film. Oh. He, he'd, done, he'd done like bits of other films where they were like converting Russian films. Or uh, yeah. he did like scenes for some of the nudie films and so on okay mm-hmm. for when he was when he was working with roger corman oh cool so he was like a um he was working i think he was like a sound record or something on this um uh film they made in ireland called the young races mm. um and uh corman had twenty two thousand dollars left over from the budget of that so he he handed that to his his young sound man he said, uh, "I want something that's kind of like psycho and uh, um, homicidal, which were popular at the time, and um, uh, and left him to it." How cool! And uh, Coppola secretly uh, went to a European distributor and uh, did a deal with him for the European rights, and got another twenty thousand. Nice. And uh, yeah, so and and. Uh, um, Corman like gave him a night to come up with an idea and he came back to him the next day and he said he's, he's got his idea where this this woman's up to you know she's she's working the scheme mm-hmm. and uh, she's uh, she's sunk these dolls underwater and uh, when she comes back out of the of the water she gets killed by this mad axe man mm. and then Corman said that's great um, so he Went away for three days, wrote the script, and uh, and made made this movie. And and um, uh, uh, so, um, he he once uh, Corman saw the finished product, he was really mad. Oh, because there wasn't uh, you know he wanted sex and violence, and there wasn't enough of that in it. Oh, and it it was also short. Like it's um, I think Coppola's original cut was um, seventy five minutes. So uh, he had. Um, he had Jack Hill shoot a scene where this poacher gets beheaded, <laughs> and he he had Monty Hellman shoot this prologue, which get, went on for an endless. Apparently, I've not not, not seen it, but like five minutes of this uh, guy pretending to be a psychiatrist, who's testing the audience on whether they're maniacs or not, and before the film starts, and um, I, I've not not seen that cut yet. But, um, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, so it, it you know built it up to eighty minutes, and uh, yeah, Coppola's like uh, he's gone back to some of his old movies like uh, you know Godfather and so on and like and have them restored and yeah, and um, so he, he's he's gone back to this one his his first film. And, oh, nice. Um, so yeah, you can get that now, but uh, yeah. Um, so and this was remade in 2017 by Richard LeMay. I've not seen that one either. No. Mm. Um, uh, Coppola married the uh, assistant art director on the original, uh, Eleanor Neal, and they're still married. Wow. 58 years. That's a long while. Um, got a great score by Ronald Stein. Um, Ronald Stein, he did tons of Corman films. Um, yeah. He, he really enjoyed working in cheap films and doing fast scores, but like 
yeah, my two favourite soundtracks of these he did at the same time. Um, he was working on the Terror, and uh, because they were in Europe, he he went to Munich and and uh, got this like massive orchestra and did these beautiful scores. Nice, very knocked him out. Really cool. It's really distinctive. It's got it's like a harpsichord thing, and then this brass section comes in. It's it's a really cool score. Um, uh, so this is kind of a Irish Jello, mm-hmm. uh, bui, maybe they call it. I, <laughs> I, I don't know much Irish. Um, do, do you know any Irish? No, not much. I mean, hardly any. Bui is yellow. Okay. Um, so this is filmed in Bray, um, and uh, the most of the locations at Health Castle. Um, there's a there's a calendar in the pub which says it's August 1962, but apparently it's filmed in September. Um, got a lot of eccentric characters, uh, sometimes nonsensical. Um, there's set piece death scenes which are very violent for their time, um, overlapped with sex. So it's, you know it's kind of got that jello vibe to it, I think. And this is this is filmed in black and white. Yep. Cool. Um, I think they take advantage of uh, in black and white. Like mud and stuff could also be blood. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a scene with the axing and it looks much nastier than it would in color, I think. But and there's this scene where this is uh, there's this woman on a meat hook, which is like really surprising. Yeah. That, that they that they do that. Um, but it, more... she she's covered in mud and you, you can't tell how much of it is mud and how much of it is gore. Uh... It looks really nasty. And this is more than ten years before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, it's got this really creepy. There's uh, a scene where this, this woman goes into this uh, the, for quite a bit of the movie, wondering if this castle is haunted by this girl who died when she was thirteen. Um, she gets into the, this girl's room, and uh, it's got all her toys in it, and there's all these like mechanical dolls in it. It's really creepy. Oh, of course. There's especially there's this wind up one that crawls along. It's, uh, there's this great shot of it. It's, ooh. Um, anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a cool little movie. Um, you know, it's very uneven, you know, it's this rapidly shot film. Um, but, you know, it's obviously made by someone with a lot of talent. It's got some inventive stuff in it and creative camera work. And, um, it's got like, um, it's got that psycho setup of you're following one character and then that character gets dispatched yeah <laughs> i think the thing that it, that's one of the weaknesses is like uh, the plot that's going with that character is much more interesting than when it turned what it turns into like uh, for the rest of the movie you're wondering who the killer is out of this family yeah and uh, that that's kind of an old dark house um familiar story yeah um, but the one that's going up to the point where this character gets killed is more interesting it's, there was uh, schemes within schemes going on. Now, I can't help but notice, I, I pulled up the page while we were talking. Um, like you said, it was a shorter movie to begin with, 75 minutes. And after Corman stuck his nose in, mm-hmm. guess what, Will? It ends up 82. at... 82. Almost. No, he yeah. said 80. Couldn't, they couldn't quite squeeze another two minutes out of it. Uh, 81 minutes restored mm-hmm. or 80 minutes original with the prologue so i don't know what else they added in for a minute but uh 
It'll fit in two film cans with a poster folded up and popped right on top. Mm-hmm. It, it went out in America as a, the uh, support feature for X, the, the man with the X-ray eyes. Oh, wow. So and lots of double features. I think features. it went out in the UK as The Haunted and the Hunted or something like that. And it was a double bill with uh, The Crawling Hand. But, yeah, so it, it didn't, yeah, it didn't get you. a big release. <laughs> crawling Hand. Yes. I think that ended up on TV by the time I was about five. Yeah, that was. That's the one with the hand that crawls around, right? No. No? Different one? The one with the big eye that crawls around. (laughs) Didn't see that one coming. Oh, the crawling eye is the one with the big eyes. No, that's the one with the big hand. (laughs) (laughs) It's very confusing. Um. According to Wikipedia, so take this with a big old grain of salt. Okay. Um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers song, American yes, Girl. they quote. Makes a, reference to There's this. a good line in this movie that they quote. Yeah. Uh, the line, especially an American girl, you can tell she's been raised on promises. Yes. Yeah. So that does come from this movie. Yeah. There's a couple of the women in this film are, are like Americans who come over to, to marry into the family or their, their distant relations. Hmm. Uh, there's a sculptor named Richard. Oh, is there? Yes. Usually some bad character. <laughs> Everyone's a suspect in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, um, is this one that you have a, a pretty long history with? Have you been watching this one uh, for I've years? Seen it like three times now, I think. I'll I'll, I'll try and get that um, Coppola cut of it and watch that one. Yeah, that would be cool. Do you know who's releasing it? It uh, came out a few years ago. Um, I can't remember which studio it was. I was going to say, let's see if it says anywhere. It wasn't a major, it wasn't like Criterion or anything. No, but it could it could be done by Severin or somebody like that. Yeah, I remember the cover. It makes it look like a slasher. It's not, it's not really a slasher. No. I don't know why people like want to do that, like mm-hmm. mislead the audience. Money. Yeah. If you ever have a question why something's done in America, the answer is money. Usually. No, always. <laughs> so, yeah, if they're not paying them in sex, it's probably money. Yeah, it's got w- William Campbell plays Richard, the sculptor. Uh, Patrick McGee plays this family doctor. He, he's always good and He was in sinister. Sweet 16. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Capola used like uh, the leftover money and a lot of the cast from The Young Racers. They just stayed on and did this film as well. <laughs> Typical Corman. So. Anyway, recommended. Cool. Uh, Will, what did you watch? I did not watch an Irish horror film. You didn't? No, I was going to watch The Devil's Doorway or Satan's Transom or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like Satan's Transom much better. It didn't. It didn't want to play. Oh, it's probably because I was watching it. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. Uh, whatever I watched afterwards was fine. Mm. I picked something else and it played fine, but I, and then I went back and tried it again, and it was just play like the first five minutes. Um, so did not watch one. Well, maybe I can, uh, without doing anything too spoilery, I could tell you about the ones I watched, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna wave you off of one of them. Yeah, you said let the wrong one in was. Not great. Not great. No. Bikini Leprechaun. <laughs> Bikini Leprechaun, too. Um, yeah, that would be 
Warwick Davis in a bikini. Yeah, that would be terrible. Um, That's too scary. I kind of want to start with uh, just getting let the wrong one in out of the way. Um, This, it just, there's not enough there to make a feature length movie out of it and really have, really keep my attention and my interest in it. there is one actor in this who's got a, a long resume, but most Americans will know Anthony Head from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The series. Um, he played Giles. Uh, he's in this as like the um, the vampire killer character. Okay. So he's sort of the Van Helsing of the movie. Uh, or at least he tries to be. He's sort of thrown into that role by a situation where his, uh, his, I'm trying to remember if it was fiance or his new bride, but either way she becomes a vampire. And then, uh, he's following around as she is biting people and creating new vampires. He's staking them and cleaning up after her. So he's, uh, sort a codependent of, sort of, sort of yeah. vampire enabler. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's wa- a toxic relationship. I believe. I would say by, a lot of red flags there by definition. Uh, and he does this as a cab driver, and he has other cab drivers who are radioing to him to tell him that they've spotted one, so he'll race in and stake them. Uh, then we we do meet the um, uh, two brothers, uh, one of them who still lives with mom, and the one who's sort of. Uh, estranged, alienated, whatever you want to say, because he was into drugs. Uh, really kind of weird. Uh, he calls him Deco, but I assume that's short for Declan. But the older brother has kind Actually, of... Actually, his first name's Art. Art De- Deco. <laughs> um, this this one... Uh, Their sister Nouveau does not show up in the film. <laughs> uh, this one has... Uh, the younger brother, like I said, still lives at home. I don't know if he's supposed to be high school age, but he looks really young. He's not 37. No, uh, not like not like that werewolf movie. Uh, he's trying to protect himself and his mom from his messed up older brother that just would steal stuff and sell it to go score drugs. That guy shows up as a vampire during the daylight, and he's barely able to get there with a broken umbrella to stop from catching fire. Uh, and it goes from there. His girlfriend's mad at him cause he was out late the night before when he got transformed and there's not enough, that's not enough to keep you going for the next 40 or so minutes. And then it does kind of pick up toward the end. Uh, special effects are digital and green screen and not super great. Uh, I don't know what they spent on this, but I don't know, man. Not a lot. They should have. They should have written something better. Then you could excuse the special effects not looking, uh, not fooling your eye. It's because writing costs too much. Apparently, it's like green, biggest part of the budget. I understand. Green screen apparently is super cheap, and writing is expensive. Writing is really expensive. Yeah, or maybe uh, it's just hard to do. Yeah. So there's a apparently a tourist attraction. Um, Bram Stoker's Castle Dracula, which it says, if we're to believe Wikipedia, it says it's now closed, but it shows it in this film. Um, 
it tries to be really colorful and flashy and funny, but as much as it tries to kind of do that Shaun of the Dead type humor, they're just not good enough at it to pull it off. So better writing would have helped. I watched The Devil's Doorway. And if you've heard of the Magdalene laundries in Ireland, where mm-hmm. yes. all kinds of different young women with different problems were put in a basically slave labor situation to do the laundry. Sometimes it wasn't problems, they're just pregnant. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I mean, is like problems of different sort. Like there yeah. might be mental illness, there might be depression, there might be a pregnancy, there might be, oh, they, uh, like someone raped them, so they're going to play them off as some sort of temptress or something mm-hmm. and just send them off to the laundry. So it's uh, it takes place in early 1960s, a couple of priests show up to film some some miracle that's going on at the chapel at this laundry. Uh, well, I guess it's a whole um, they would call it an asylum, but it's but it's got the whole operation run by nuns. And uh, there's a statue of Mother Mary that's been crying blood. And they are going to document this with a film camera and some recording devices. And they're going to take blood samples and analyze them and all this stuff. Yeah, she should get that looked at. It's not normal to bleed from the eyes. (laughs) No. And it's uh, It's probably an eye infection, I'd say. Turns out it's typo negative blood, which I thought was like, couldn't they have gotten some typo negative? Maybe it was a typo. (laughs) It would have been great if they would have added some to the soundtrack. It's a lot of this movie, and I'll, I will warn you, Julian, um, although this one is atmospherically like got some creepiness and some cool stuff going on. I'm even able to suspend my disbelief that the camera looks this way in like 1960, 61, whatever year it's supposed to be. I can I can just say, OK, well, I'll pretend to believe that it wouldn't have been just like a, a 16 millimeter you know, uh, shaky, rattly, black and white mm-hmm. thing. With, yeah. yeah, Panaflex. Yeah. Uh, it's in color, and it, and always, when they're showing you footage, it always goes to the square format, which is fine. Um, I guess if, if that doesn't bother you, when it gets into some Blair Witch jostling mm. <laughs> later in the movie, uh, yeah, you might have to pause a few times and, until your stomach feels right. Yeah. It didn't bother me, but I know some people can't hang with that. That shaky camera stuff. But, um, so it's a Vatican bishop who's gotten a letter and some photographs. He shows up, like I said, with another guy, another, another priest, and they're filming and they're recording. And they start to notice that there's some secrets. And they want to say, hey, What's going on in the basement? So they go have a look and there's a young girl locked up and they say she's possibly going to harm herself or others. She's not well in the head. And these guys, uh, they're not very happy about this. The older priest is like, hey, you need to clean her up and help her out. But then kind of becomes clear. Maybe she's possessed. And maybe, uh, maybe the mother superior is up to some funny business. And as it turns out, uh, there is some funny business abound, which I won't reveal in the interest of not fake handbags. 
They're making fake handbags. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> They're counterfeiting in the basement. Uh, there's a tunnel system and there's a whole lot going on with that. So don't go in the basement, I think is sort of the uh, theme of this one. Atmospheric, like I said, um, creepy, like I said, totally worth a watch. Uh, this is a 2018 film, 76 minutes. Yeah. That's why I was going to watch it. Yeah. It came up with the shortest time. Yeah. So the last one I'm going to talk about of the three I watched uh, this one is called You Are Not My Mother. And we get a cold open with a weird scene where there's a woman making a fire with a, just like rubbing sticks together and then getting some tinder and blowing on it. And she has some drawings with some notes or something. And she puts a ring of fire around a baby. And you're like, what is going on here? This isn't what normal people do. Um, I don't think this is some Irish tradition I've not heard about, but, uh, in any event, um, this, uh, this cuts to present day, uh, a movie made in 2021. So you see a schoolgirl living with grandma. And as it turns out, we find out shortly after mom lives there too, but seems to be depressed and kind of bedridden. Um, she woke up late, needs a ride to school finally gets mom to give her a ride. Uh, at some point she swerves off the road cause there's a horse in the road. Kind of the car goes in a field. The girl's like close enough. I'm off. She goes to school. Uh, she's very kind of plain and just kind of strange. So the other kids bully her. She wear a Ramon shirt at any time. Oh uh, no. She wears a school uniform, but the other girls would be wearing Ramon's shirts and smoking. Okay. Because they're definitely smoking. I imagine under the uniforms, they're all wearing Ramon's t-shirts. Yeah. One of them's got an ACDC shirt. Yeah. Because the Ramon's is in the laundry. Yeah. They've got, they've got <laughs> the Magdalene laundry. <laughs> yeah. We don't talk about that. <laughs> no. That's, that's a secret. Um, they've got Target in Ireland, I would imagine, right? Sure. Or some big box store where they could just go buy these fake vintage shirts. Uh, it's got to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe hot topic. Uh, anywho, so a young lady is being bullied at school, and it's uh, revealed as the movie moves along that it's it's around Halloween time. And she gets back home, and mom is not home. She's gone missing. Everyone's a little worried. Um, her uncle comes over, and he's kind of, at first you think it's her dad, but it's her uncle. Mom's brother, uncle, dad, uncle, dad swings by and, uh, they're, they're on the, they're on the search for mom. She doesn't turn up. And when she does finally turn up the next day, it seems to be a changeling. So mom's acting weird. Like she went from being super depressed and they went and got her lithium prescription and Maybe she took some of that lithium. She swung the other way and she's manic now. It seems like it. She's kind of dancing, kind of having fun in the kitchen. And the Fun da- mom's in town. Yeah. The, da- <laughs> the daughter's like, what happened to Depresso mom? Oh, man. Bad mom's back. <laughs> yeah. Fun mom is in the kitchen. Yeah. And fun mom's fun, but she screws everything up for bad mom when that well, comes she- around. Yeah. Because she's irresponsible. Yeah, she's making dinner, but doesn't seem to know quite what she's doing. She cut up the 
the pumpkin that was for the jack-o'-lantern. And it's like, you don't do that. It's a deconstruction of a jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> yes. If you've watched all those cooking shows. Um, the grandma seems to know what's going on and seems to be the one who maybe was in that flashback scene. That was the cold open. Mm. And maybe the schoolgirl, um, our character, uh, Rita, no, I'm sorry. Um, Char, uh, Rita's the grandma. Uh, Char is, um, maybe the infant from that scene. Hmm. So maybe grandma knows all about changelings because this is the second time she's dealt with it. Isn't there, isn't there an Irish folk tale about changelings? Yeah. Yeah. There's quite is, a few, I think. Yeah. And I think this is based on that. Um, I think there's even a movie called The Changeling that came out last year or the year before from Ireland. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Uh, I think that one was behind a paywall, so yeah. I didn't I didn't go further with it. I thought there's enough stuff we don't have to pay extra for. <laughs> um, so at one scene, uh, when the grandmother's talking, I see this thing hanging on the door. And I'm thinking that this looks like a piece of folk art that uh, reminds me of uh, the evil eye, like the Italians have like that kind of uh, thing made of sticks and string uh-huh. or whatever they want to make it out of. And it's similar to that. And I thought, I don't know what this is. I should know this. Let me look it up and then I will. Uh, it's called um, the cross of St. Bridget or St. Bridget's cross. And um, it's, it's kind of just this um, uh, almost like more like a plus sign, but it's woven out of, reeds or rushes or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. and uh, it hangs on the door and the meaning of it is that it essentially um it's thought to keep evil fire and hunger from the home where you've hung it up so that's kind of interesting i learned something cool by just watching a movie and it's pause- called a bundle of sticks it's called, it's called an x made of sticks just like on the blair witch project uh-huh um so as the movie goes on, um, the changeling mom who starts out as fun mom starts to turn into weird mom. Oh boy. Yeah. Like not weird in a cool way either. No, no mom's getting scary. Yeah. Yeah. She's scary turn- moms in town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't show up all the time, but when she does look out, <laughs> I will give away one part that uh, the girls that are bullying the daughter, she happens to roll up at the right moment and just just pops one of them right in the eye, <laughs> knocks her down with a stick. No, with her fist, but still, oh. yeah, she uh, she blackens her eye, which was kind of nice to see that. I, you know what? I don't mind when bullies get some comeuppance. Um. So, without spoiling the movie completely, more things happen. Does she burn her mom at the end? Like, whatever that movie was that we watched where mom was a... <laughs> mom was different? Um, I can't... Pie whack it or something? Yeah, I can't really... Oh, yeah. yeah, I can't really say without she... spoiling it. Do you want me to spoil it? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they totally burn the mom. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like I've seen this movie. Apparently, Ireland, uh, because of the, the tradition of Samhain around Halloween time, they're going to want to have some bonfires because the, the belief, the traditional belief goes back hundreds and hundreds of years that 
Uh, Scary things are in the dark. They would extinguish all the fires in Ireland except for the main bonfire in the middle of the country, and everyone would have to travel to get their fire from it and go back. That seems inefficient. It does. Is that why they fell back on mums? Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna walk all the way for firewood they're Mom's flammable there let's just light her up yeah yeah so uh besides it's crazy mom yeah so uh this one is really uh really interesting um visually you get uh you know some of the countryside stuff but you see some some of the urban blight in in sort of the certain areas of the movie but uh mostly it's it's just kind of dreary it's fall it's ireland it's dreary but uh you know the girls from school are awful not awful enough to where you really believe they might kill this girl but then you start thinking maybe they're going to so there's some dread like that in it as well as well as you know crazy mom weird mom sad mom dangerous mom bad mom fun mom yeah well, they're all just the same changeling. Yeah. When she gets the real mom. Mom's a multifaceted person. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, she's just depressed. <laughs> yeah. But when you switch her out, whoo, buckle up. So, um, this was uh, written and directed by Kate Dolan. So, um, you know, women horror, you know, women in horror. Mickey uh, Dolan's kid. Uh, maybe. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> is is uh, Mickey the last monkey left alive? Yeah. Yes. I want a movie called The Last Monkey Left Alive. I was just thinking that's a great movie title. Yeah. It doesn't work as a weed strain, but sure no. works as a movie title. So that's what I had. Um, of the movies, I would say um, Devil's... What did I say? Devil's Doorway was in Satan's there? Transom. Yeah. Th- that one... Uh, that one and this one are both worth a look. Uh, my notes here will tell me what I watched them on. You Are Not My Mother was on Hulu. Um, and uh, The Devil's Doorway was on Tubi. And maybe if you watch that and let it recommend another movie, it'll not be terrible. No, that'll never happen. Because <laughs> it's Tubi. It, it defaults to the next terrible thing. Yeah. That vaguely resembles the thing you just watched. So that's what I got. Um, and uh, we drank a Guinness. Yes. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, anything else about uh, Irish horror? No, but I think we need to pick a different country. We could. You know. We, we could do Swedish horror. Yeah. There's or a bunch of that. You know, Filipino horror. There's a bunch of that. Oh, you know, Indonesian horror. Irish horror. Uh, the two great vampire stories that have influenced so many movies are from Ireland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anything related to Dracula or Camilla. Yeah, okay. that's true, huh? Has an Irish uh, ancestry. Yeah. So it it um, it's a country that isn't averse to a scary story. Mm-hmm. I mean, are banshees real? I don't know. I've never heard one, but a country that has banshees and uh, the practice of keening, mm-hmm. uh, which also makes its way into music. 
Um, if you listen to the Cranberries, for example, Dolores O'Rourke's vocal styling uh, contains some keening. But uh, isn't that the space you put between letters? No, that's kerning. <laughs> isn't but that close. what's on a corn? <laughs> it's the screaming you hear in between the letters. <laughs> if you look closely, there are screams between all the letters. Um, yeah, keening. Apparently, you can invite. Uh, someone to come to a funeral and just do some outrageously emotional wailing and screaming, which is supposed to, I guess, give permission to uh, the mourners to just kind of let go and cry a little rather than stuffing it down. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's that. I thought maybe they were hired so they look like you're... I don't know, more missed than you might have been. Yeah, they just hire extras for your funeral. Yeah, for your funeral. You have that in the will. Really want some some attractive young women to come and just really cry. Mm -hmm. Just throw themselves on my grave (laughs) and wail. Just, you know. Yeah, once in a while you'll go to a funeral. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been to a couple of funerals where there were some young women who maybe only owned one black piece of clothing and it was a dress that maybe wasn't appropriate for a funeral. <laughs> I've seen that a couple times <laughs> and there's part of me that's delighted by that. <laughs> uh, I had black sweatpants. Yeah, that'll do. Black sweatshirt. Good enough. I'm going to jog on down to the funeral. <laughs> yeah. If I reverse my Ramon shirt, it'll do, won't it? There you yeah. go. She yeah. was wearing a Ramon shirt as a dress. She had turned it inside out, but we could tell it was a Ramon shirt. You could read it. You could read it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's a, like you could say about um, A24 movies. Uh-huh. They're killing it. They're getting it right. Uh, in recent years, um, people making films in Ireland are getting horror movies right. Uh, young directors from America are starting to sort it out and figure it out and, you know, realize that it's their responsibility to go forward and make something good. So, uh, I think all around we're living in a pretty good time for horror movies. Yeah. It's an advantage of living in horrible times. I was going to say the same (laughs) thing. Get a few big traumas under your belt. You're writing great horror movies. Just... Al Translating those. <laughs> Al Jorgensen from Ministry always said, you know, I write my best albums when uh, there's a Republican in office. <laughs> yeah. You know, when George Bush had two terms in a row. Man. God. Remember we thought that was the worst? <laughs> Ministry mm. was on a roll. Yeah, we did, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I always knew Ronald Reagan was the top of the heap. Yeah, he had those movie star good looks. <sighs> terrible man. <laughs> yeah, there's a, uh, well, we could go into that horror that he, <sighs> yeah, let's not get into that. Uh, I could I could talk about that. He never did accents in movies, so. <laughs> or a callback to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> because he couldn't. <laughs> yeah, Bonzo could. Yeah, yeah. We 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 could talk about the horror of chimps too, but Ooh. that's a whole other subject. I thought you were going to say talking animal films. 
like Francis the Talking Mule. I think I'd rather be attacked by a chimp than watch one of those movies. <laughs> a talking chimp? Well, then. Well, you see why this scene falls apart right here. Francis just Mr. Q. I think Francis is a guy. Whatever. <laughs> um, so let's see. We have Jolien up next. Is it? Oh. Yeah. So if you, haven't, if you haven't picked anything, don't worry about it. We, we don't have to do that right now. But it'll be back to you again, Will. All right. Get ready. Yeah. I'm going to pick something wonderful. Excellent. Or, or you let Tubi pick it. I'm going to let Tubi pick it. <laughs> yeah. There's something called Microwave Massacre. Oh, yes. I'm sure it's god-awful, but yes. I, I'm going to pick it. <laughs> I think I've seen it, uh, but I, I'm not really sure. It's been so long. But I can't imagine that I'd pass up something called Microwave Massacre if I had a chance to watch it as a, as a kid. Before next time, do you want me to see if uh, Chat GPT could write um, a short story or a script with that uh, thing we talked about earlier? Yeah, I think we should do that. It'd be kind of cool. Maybe... We could put the machine up against uh, Francis Coppola writing writing a script in three days, <laughs> kind of like John Henry and the rail driving machine. Folklore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The steel driving man versus yeah. the rail driving machine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He won. And then he died. <laughs> but still a W. <laughs> I guess. All right. Anything else about um, all this before we call it a show? No. I got two recommends. Jolien got one recommend that we can give. All right. Three recommends. That ain't so bad. All on Tubi. Yeah. All have bikini in the title. Yeah. Bikini Werewolf Police Station. <laughs> And Bikini Werewolf Hospital. <laughs> there you go. Oh, it's a franchise. Yeah. All right, listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors. <laughs>